This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. We are starting to wrap things up in Colossians. Today, Pastor Matt shows us what Paul means that as believers in the one true God, what does it look like to walk out our faith? Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm, and I'm here with Thad Keenel. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, we are back with the Planted Podcast, and we actually, it's been a few weeks for Thad and I. We've had other stuff going on, and we haven't been able to, to sit together and, and keep going here in Colossians, and so it's good to be back. Uh, good to jump back in the scriptures. How, how's, how's been, have you been the last few weeks? I've been good. Yeah. I've been... Uh... Been messing around in the word. Uh-huh. That's that's good. Yeah. July fourth uh, came, and I I don't ever do this, but I open the Bible randomly. Oh, okay. And I I don't like to do that because I, I I'm not mystic in any sense of the word, but I was going to do a little devotional, and I opened it up, and it was Galatians five, and it says, "For freedom's sake, <laughs> you know, yeah. Christ has come," and it was like interesting because of the parallel right. to. Independence, and so I was able to do a little devotional, um, compare, contrast our liberties that we have in the United States of America mm-hmm. compared to what liberties we have with Christ, and what that really means. Right. And uh, so that was a uh, that was fun, and um, kind of a, a new way to go about kind of throwing a dart at the board, if yeah. you will, and letting. Something, but Providence took over on that that's one. That's right. That's right. That's cool. Yeah, I've been doing some studying too. I'm, I'm actually. This is a. We record, record these on a Tuesday, so this is the Tuesday after July Fourth, and I'm I'm actually preaching this Sunday. So I've been doing various studying Ephesians four, and it's. I think we mentioned before just how Ephesians and Colossians have a lot of parallels, right? right? And yeah. in some senses, I could you could say Colossians is a shortened version of Ephesians. There's just so much that's relatable. It's the same region. You know, they're they're close by in proximity, and there were likely circular letters. They may have even, you know, at some point read both of those. So yeah, it's been interesting just seeing that even again as I've been looking at Colossians and and looking at for our passage here this morning as we're going to get into I think um, the rest of chapter four. But I think we we just wanted to do a little bit of a wrap up and little little revisit what we talked about last time in terms of Christian households and so forth. And so I know you were doing some reflection on some of that, and so. Um, yeah, so any, anything you just want to comment about um, Christian households and some of the things we talked about last time? Well, sure. After um, our last podcast, uh, when we were dealing with the Christian household, and of course, one of the most controversial things that you can read is, you know, right off the bat with wives to submit unto your husbands, right? Mm-hmm. Just as unto the Lord. And I'm like, you know, that gets... That gets the backup of a lot of people, you know, yeah. women in particular and stuff. And then I thought, well, yeah, but, you know, then the the men are getting mad, you know, because we have to love our wives as Christ that he's given <laughs> us it's an impossible task there. And then it says children be obedient. Yeah. And so the children are mad because they have to be obedient, right? And But right. what I thought about that as I was leaning into that a little bit was any one party that's being spoken to there 
thinks that the other two commands are fantastic. (laughs) You know, so the the idea of um, I think it's kind of a trifecta Mm -hmm. of what builds up with within us, and one of it is the fleshly pride that we have, you know, that can get our back up. Um, Number two. Um, which is really important, is the neglect of the context of the passage. And then number three, which is the most important key, is the complete meaning or the missing of the meaning of who we are in Christ. Right. You know, and so those are the things that when they, when you keep it all in perspective with the context and in light of of who uh, Christ is in us, um, the politics go out the window. Yeah. You know, and it's it's the new life that we're called to in Christ because... What the main concept really is talking about when it's wives submitting to their husbands, just as 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 Christ, is the relationship that the body of Christ is to have to the bridegroom. Exactly. You know, and so the church submits unto Christ as uh, he is the um, the true loving husband of of the of the of the uh, bride, mm-hmm. right? And. Uh, so the the whole task of looking at what Christ is, who he is, I mean, and how he served. I mean, Christ came not to be served, but to serve. Right. And so when you roll all that in together, right. I, I think we're without excuse as to... It is. And that, that's the... I mean, even like this week, uh, as I was I'm pre- preparing to preach on Sunday about, you know, the maturity of the church and how we grow up in Christ. And the key is, is that we grow up in Christ. And Christ is our everything. That's what we've been talking so much here in the book of Colossians, that that he is our all in all. He is the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of redemption. It's out of that that, that all this flows, that Col- the verses 15 to 20, right? That And then even here in these verses, that uh, if we back up to verse 16 of chapter 3, which leads into this, we let the Lord, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing another with all wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom again some today in these verses. Verse seventeen: Everything, whatever you do in word or deed, giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that that is that's the thing from which all these other commands flow. Like you said, yeah. that it, it it all is. If we are slaves of Christ, if we are submitting to Him then any other submission, any other obedience, any other way of loving all finds itself in in him who is our head, right? And so that's the key, that if, if you put that in perspective, then, you know, we should be willing to submit to anyone who's submitting to Christ. We should be willing to obey to anyone who's submitting to Christ. We should be willing to to love and and be good masters in, in all in that sense. And so, um, which relates to your whole issue of freedom, which you looked at in Galatians 5, right? Right. That, that who wouldn't we be willing to be slaves to the Christ who sets us free from all those things that are putting us in bondage? Right, and, it's, and, it, and, right. It, and it points out that what we've been set free from, the liberty that we have, right. is not to go do everything that we want to to fulfill the flesh, right. but that now we're free to serve Christ. Because why? Because just a few verses earlier, like that mm-hmm. we were talking about um, when you said in 17, I looked back at verse 12, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the whole. It's all about the character of the new man in Christ or the new right. person in Christ. We are a new creation, right. and therefore, when we put on Christ, when we have that union with Christ that you so often talk about. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when we are doing these podcasts, sometimes we get a, we start micro. I don't know, trying to define a particular verse within a passage. But you right. always do a good job of going back and hey. 
let's let's step back, let's telescope right. back and look at the whole passage and remember. And so you you always do that, but I, what I didn't want to do is for myself, I got a little bit lost in the passage last okay. time. And so anyways, I think you yeah. I think we're good. Well, good. And I think and again, even in in sitting down with this knowing it's been a couple of weeks since we had been in Colossians, the two of us doing the podcast, I I said, you know, it'd be good to just go back and reread the whole the whole letter again. It was one of those Bible study tips we gave, right? right? That we, you know, when anytime we're studying something, you need to always, you know, especially in a something like that's just four chapters, like Colossians, go back and reread it. And that's it's a good practice. It's something I did again. It's and it's good even in looking at because we're going to be starting in verse two today to just see in verses two to six, especially, uh, and don't know if we'll get much past that or not. Uh, it might be good to do a final podcast one more time to kind of sum all things up, but so much of these verses two to six are found. You can you can find the words, the phrasing, the concepts back in the entire chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Even back to the introduction and the introductory prayer. Um, here he's being encouraged to be devoted to, to prayer here in verse four, but then you go back and look like he was committing to praying for them and asking them to be praying. It's just... It, there, it just so much that runs throughout the whole, the whole letter that these four verses uh, or five, what a uh, two, three, four, five, six it are, are just applying to the Christian. So this is advice for the Christian life that we're getting into. And he's basically summing up his entire letter in some senses by saying, "This is how it needs to look in your life." And so, um, so yeah, let's let's <laughs> pray and let's just jump in and read them. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we pray for your spirit to come and guide us in in this lesson as we as we apply this and as you would season that nice conversation with salt as we're going to read here in this conversation, our conversation to have with others. We pray that even as we have this conversation here around your scriptures, that we would be guided and led by you. We would do it all for the honor of Jesus and his glory. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's just read verses two to six. I might, I think I'm gonna. We, let's not read the rest. We can save that for next time. But I am probably gonna jump down and even look at verse twelve because I think in some ways it relates to to this. Okay. But uh, let's just read verses two to six. Uh, I have the Lexham English Bible today that I'm reading from. Excellent. So uh, it says, "Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving." praying at the same time for us also that God may open for us a door of the message to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am a prisoner, so that I may reveal it as it is necessary for me to speak. Live with wisdom toward those outside, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how it is necessary for you to answer each one. Mm. All right. So this first, so this opening phrase here is "be devoted to prayer," and the, this phrase we we find it that same wording uh, of devotion used of the early church in the Book of Acts. So if you think of Acts two forty two to forty seven, it says of the congregation, the new the new believers there, the, uh, Luke uh, describes them as being devoted to several things. There are kind of five things there that they're devoted to. Uh, They're devoted to the apostles' teaching um, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Uh, yeah, and fellowship, which and, is part and, of that, yeah. And fellowship, right? But one of those things is prayer. And so they're devoted to prayer. So it's the same idea here. And and in this word, it just sometimes it can be um, translated as to be, I think the ESV does it be watchful in prayer. Is that the... Is, um, You're talking about from Acts? No, no, I'm talking, I'm, I'm back in Colossians that... Or continue steadfastly in prayer. Right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, being watchful is the next phrase but in the ESV. So it's just this idea of continue. It's, it's it, of being the characteristic of perseverance, mm-hmm. um, you know, potentially as well. Uh, that maybe that's what the being watchful is. I'm not sure. The, the point is, is that there is a life characteristic, right? We, we've talked about wanting to... Uh, Live as Jesus lived, as the people of God. So this is, it, it's a command, but it's also a, um, there's a convergence in some sense of the, of the meaning of the word itself, but also the, the, the tense in which it's being used, the aspect in which it is. It's a, it's a, it's a present imperative active, um, kind of a, in, in that sense, so in, in that you're remaining in it. So the word itself is, is, is that of like being devoted to continue, but even the the, the the phrasing of it is that idea too. Oh, okay, gotcha. Is is so what I'm trying to say is it's the it's it's the, a characteristic of a, of of your life. Is right. he saying? Well, we've talked about some of this in the past. Right. Just to have um, to be conscious um, to, or conscious of always running thoughts, right? Um, and the billboard example, yeah. you know, through the through the lens of the Holy Spirit in your life. Right. Yeah. And so. So and we've ta- I think we've talked about before too, just like some some of these things seem impossible. Like when he says to pray continually, right? It's like how do you pray continually? Well, again, it's that it's that whole orientation of life. I, I think I've mentioned before the Christian life is is not about perfection; it's about direction. What direction are you headed? Who are you following after? What what's the orientation here? The orientation is is that our 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 life should be one that is characterized by consistent, persistent prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes me think of the uh, the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18. So I'm just going to read this. And then um, in a minute, I'm going to put this in, in context as it relates to the context of what Paul's talking about here in Colossians. But here in, Col- in, in um, Luke 18, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, this is interesting here for Luke because most of the time, the parable, you get the point of the parable at the end of the parable, or the reason that, that maybe Jesus tells the parable often comes like after the parable's already told. Um, but here, he kind of gives it up front. Yeah, here's the answer. The answer's kind of up front. <laughs> now, some commentators have questioned whether, you know, is he leading us astray a little bit by saying this? But I don't think so. Um, he said in verse 2, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth, mm. on the earth? So I bring this up for a couple reasons. One, it's this whole idea of consistent, persistent prayer, that the widow's coming. Now, in this parable, the unjust judge is in some way standing for God, except we know God's not an unjust judge, right? So we, so we can't take it like one-for-one one correspondence. But we know God is the one who answers prayer, right? And so in that sense, the unjust judge is standing in the place of God because he has the ability to grant this woman's request. Okay. But we know God's not unjust. And even that is pointed out there that will not God give justice to the elect? It kind of parallels, you know, um, those who are evil giving good gifts to their children. Yeah, right, right exactly. So, um, so the point is, is that we need to be like this widow and persistently pray even if we don't see the answer right away. Because we, even though the, the, the portrayal here is, is the unjust judge, we know God's not unjust, and he will give justice to the elect, right? And, and so, so the point is, we need to be continually persistent praying. The question is, what are we praying for? Mm-hmm. So if we go back to Colossians, now we're going to come back to Luke in a minute, but in Colossians it says, be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it, watchful in it. So what are be alert or watchful? What are we watching for is the question. Um, and it says we, when we do so, we do so with thanksgiving, which is interesting. But we're, what are we watching for? What are we alert for? Well, let's go back to Luke 18 and put this parable in context. It comes right after Jesus having a discussion with the Pharisees about the kingdom of God. In, in, up in verse 20, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Mm. So what's he saying? And then he goes on to say the days are coming and all, the, all these things about the kingdom. But the point is, Jesus knows that the, the kingdom came in his coming. The, the kingdom's in the midst of them because Jesus is talking to them. And so we know that Jesus has told us the kingdom of God is here in his midst and the kingdom of God has been initiated in his coming. And we know, too, is it initiated by in the coming of the church, in the bringing of the church. So when Jesus establishes his church after his life, death, resurrection and ascension, right, right. he then sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to come and establish his church. And so... The, is the kingdom of God here right now? Well, yeah, and if we go right back to the beginning of Colossians, he talks about making <laughs> yes. a public mockery of the, yes. of the of the demonic realm. Right in, in Colossians two, right. So we know the king, and then he's that the kingdom of God is being established. It's being established in Colossae because he's being he's praying and saying he's thankful for how the gospel has taken hold among them. So he's saying, I think in, in Luke eighteen, he's telling this parable to say. To pray and don't lose heart. The kingdom of God is in your midst and is coming. We And we know that it's not fully here, but it is coming. And so we should be praying like this persistent widow for his justice. Pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, wait, that's in the Lord's prayer. That's how he taught us to pray. The disciples asked oh, yeah. us, how should we pray, Lord? And he says, pray this way. Pray for my kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And part of praying for the kingdom is to be watchful like the the women with the the virgins with the lamps, right? We need to always have oil in our lamps because we should be ready at any moment for his kingdom to come. And so if we're devoted to prayer and we're keeping watch, we're keeping alert, 
and we're thankful. Why are we thankful? We're thankful because he already has the victory. We're thankful because he's already made a public mockery of those of the, the spiritual realm. We're thankful that he's already accomplished the gospel for us, that we already have our sins forgiven, right? We're thankful that it's in process. And so we're praying at, right now, we should, if we believe the gospel, if we believe the kingdom is at hand, if we're in the last days where the kingdom is coming and we know it's still yet to fully come, and we're to be preaching the gospel, we're to be doing this, we should be praying for that to be happening. Right? Okay, so I got to jump in now. So <laughs> you, you've got my mind just going crazy because yeah. I never really thought about that before. But in the Luke 18 passage, yeah. um, on the surface, what I originally would see is a person in prayer praying for something that they want, this widow is praying yeah. for something that they want. Um, they're not getting it. In, in due time and they're basically changing God's mind here. You know, you know, God, <laughs> yeah. God is getting sick. Just, okay, just leave me alone right. here. And here's, here's the answer. Of course. But, um, we have to look beyond that because this is not about, um, a want, you know, you're praying for something that you want, even if it's, you know, um, trying to change God's mind about a, a sick child, for uh -huh. example. Right? right. But this is kingdom purposes. Right? Yes. This is all about the kingdom as you were, right. you're coming with. Of course, I jump all the way to Revelation chapter 6, and what do we see but the souls who had lost their lives that were martyred for the sake of the Lord are underneath the altar, yes. and they're crying out day and night saying, how long, O Lord? Right. Right. How long until you take vengeance upon your name and, and show your righteousness? And and he, he answers back and says, what, a little while longer. Right. right? The, the number's not complete. Yes. So the kingdom... Um, has nothing to do with how how good we're going to feel here on this planet, you know, or, or in this lifetime per right. se necessarily. Comforted, yes, yeah. but the understanding. We have the first fruits of it, right? We we should feel something. We should feel something very hopeful. We right. have hope right now, but the full assurance of that hope, we, we're not going to need hope in, in in the new heavens and the new earth, right? Right, <laughs> right? exactly. All but, we're going to need is love. But it's but, not about the. Um, the faith, wealth, and prosperity no, gospel right. at all. It's about the understanding of the kingdom and that we are. Um, yeah. We're in the harvest. Right, right. Well, it's interesting, too, that it also makes me think of Second Peter 3, talking about the coming of the day of the Lord, and this whole idea of speedily, because in that parable, it's always... He says, and it will come speedily. Well, speedily in whose mind? <laughs> right. right? Well, right. It, and so, um, so Peter, you know, it, people are, are expecting the Lord to come back soon, and they're restless and all this stuff. Mm. And, and so... Um, and he, he's, he's actually referring back even to the flood in, in verse 6 and the deluge of water and all the, you know, the earth was formed out of water and then existed, was deluged with water and perished. But at the same time, verse 7, um, but the same word, the heavens and the earth now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly, right? He's looking forward to that day, that final day. He says, but do not overlook this one fact in verse 8, beloved, that with the day, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Right? So there's that, there's that whole notion of you know, speedily in whose mind, yeah. slow in whose mind. Right. And he's waiting, just as you said in Revelation, he's waiting patiently because his desires, they come. Now, we know that you know, God's, 
we've talked about his different wills, right? His different desires, right? And we know that not we're not universalists. We know that not everyone's coming to faith, but we know that God's heart in desire is that people would repent. And then we know that his spirit is working in that. And so we, if we believe all that, if we believe all this, why would we not be people of prayer? Right. Because we know from the very beginning, God has desired human participants, ambassadors, priests. He made us priests, even in the garden, right? We were to be people who were doing this, and now we get to be brought back into this. Um, And so how do we participate? Well, we participate, and we're going to talk about evangelism in a minute, and actually speaking the word of truth and sharing the gospel, but we need to start with prayer. That God in his, does God need our prayers to accomplish his purposes? No, he does not. Does he desire them? Yes. Mm -hmm. Has he made us in such a way that we get to actually participate in the coming of the kingdom? Yes. And one of the ways we do that is by prayer. And so I... I'm preaching to myself right now because I don't do this enough. Yeah, uh, it's just it's striking me seeing the connection because I had not seen this before this morning. I actually got this connection from Craig Blomberg's book on interpreting the parables when he talks about the point of this parable. He says it's a two-point parable. He says the, the, it teaches two things: one, God will hear and answer the cries of His people against injustice by again sending the Son of Man to Earth, although He cannot be sure of the. The timing, that means he's talking about the second coming, that we're praying for, the sec- for him to come back and set all things right, um, it, which is the context of this in, in Luke, in, in Luke um, 17, which introduces then here in Luke 18, right? And so, but then secondly, we must persist in faithful petition for the consummation of the kingdom. And so we're praying on the one hand for God's justice, right? But in praying that, we're also, we're, we are asking for the consummation of the kingdom because that's the way it's going to come. But in the meantime, we, uh, we want people to come to faith, right? And so it's very interesting that um, after this, in verse 3, he says, pray at the same time for us also. Now, Paul's in chains here, right? And so he, he, this is a prison letter. And so when we're pra- he's saying pray... Be motivated, keeping alert in thanksgiving. I think, again, the context here is praying for the kingdom Mm -hmm. is for us to think about because he says, pray for us that a door may be opened of the message to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also a prisoner. So he's praying that doors would be opened to to preach the gospel. And I think we can look at this in two ways. He's praying for a literal door of his prison cell or house or wherever he is to be open so that he can get back to the job of preaching the mystery that the gospel's open to the, to the Gentiles, right? But I think we can also say that we can be praying for it, for that, for the, the door of the gospel to be opened right, everywhere right, right. to everyone. Yeah. So, so even here that he follows up the, the, this prayer, keeping alert, being thankful, praying for the gospel to go forth. Um, and then and he's a prisoner for that. Uh, we've already talked about the mystery of Christ and some of those things, and so I'm not going to get into that. But but notice too just how much these phrases are related back in, into the earlier parts of Colossians. Mm-hmm. So keeping in context is it, it, the the opening introduction to the whole book is um, him praying, or for the whole letter is him praying for the Colossians, right? And he prays. Uh, well, he's first. He's thankful for them, 
again, as we mentioned, the gospel has, has taken root. It's, it's, it's bearing fruit and increasing, right? So this whole keeping alert with thanksgiving, he's already been praying. He prayed opening the letter with thanksgiving that the gospel is accomplishing its purposes. And then in verse 9, he says um, that we've not ceased to pray for you. Now, he's asking in, in chapter 4, he's asking them to pray for him. Right. But he's already prayed for them. And what did he pray for them? That they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, we've studied here in Colossians that there was this, very likely this Colossian heresy was this idea of this was some kind of pre-Gnosticism that was starting to take place, that there was some kind of secret knowledge, right, uh, apart from you know, apart from just the, the gospel itself or right. something beyond what right. was normal right here. And he's saying, no, he's praying that they would have spiritual understanding to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, mm-hmm. bearing fruit in every good work. And now we're seeing that, that that one of the ways we walk in a manner worthy is to be devoted to prayer, to be, to be praying in the same way Paul prays for them. He's asking them to now pray for others and pray for him and his ministry to be able to continue. Right. It's, a, it's entirety is the mm-hmm. prayer for the kingdom. Yeah. Right. And that's, it is. when we say kingdom come, that's the, right. uh, that's the gathering of the bride of Christ yes. throughout whatever period of time, right? And then what is it, if you drop back, and this is in, still in chapter one and in, in verse uh, six, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, verse five, it's about that hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Yes. Right? Well, what right. is that hope? Well, the hope is Christ. Exactly. That's there that is, you know, He's the king waiting the right to come. hand of the Father. Right. right. And yeah. just all these things. I mean, you're right. It, it, the whole yeah. thing. And if, they, if you read this, in a in a single setting, which will take you fifteen right. minutes, it's it's going to feel yeah, it, like one right. cohesive. It, it does, yeah. yeah. So he's wrapping all this up so much. Uh, so verse four, so that I may reveal it as it was necessary for me to speak. Now the the idea is again, he's so we see this back up at the end of of chapter one, the and in, in beginning of chapter 2 is he's, he's letting them know about his ministry he became a minister according to the stewardship of god was given to him to make the word of god fully known that's 1 verse 25 right and then verse 2 uh, verse 1 of chapter 2 he says what you know how much i struggle i have for you right um, he's struggling in his ministry he he wants so desperately to continue preaching the gospel and so he's praying for that would happen because he because he's so compelled by the revelation God's given him. Uh, and, and that's really convicting for me. Now, I wasn't struck on a road to Damascus, right? But at some point, I, I was raised in a Christian family, but, but at some point, the Holy Spirit just awakened me to that. And it has continued to do that in various times throughout my life. As, as, I, as I know Christ more deeply and understand the gospel more profoundly, that, that uh, I... I need to more let that motivate me even more. It does, but it's it, I'm motivated right here when we when we do these podcasts. I'm motivated, uh-huh. you know. But I'm like, okay, but then you know, tomorrow when I'm in the doldrums of the day and everything else going on, am I still just so compelled by that to want to share it with others? Yeah, you know. And I think that's the again, that's one of the characteristics we need to have is we need to live this way. And be and let this. And I'm sure Paul had his ups and downs, yeah. <laughs> you know, too. But the point is, as our mind is oriented, as our life is oriented, as we focus on the transforming work of the gospel, and we let it take root, and we meditate on it all the time, and we devote ourselves to the prayer, the praying of it, and being thankful for it, it's going to compel us 
to share our faith with others. It's going to compel us to live our to live live it out to others, and so that's why um, it becomes so important to be in the Word and be be have these kind of conversations with others, right? Right to just let it let it do its work. Yeah, the uh, thought that you mentioned a bit ago here from from this passage that was to be in prayer uh, for that the door might be open mm-hmm. for the word to go out to declare the mystery of Christ. Uh, we know that by that it's by the word that faith comes, right? Yes, right. So faith comes by hearing and that of the word of God. Right. So we don't have to come up with a formula to try to persuade somebody. We just got to share the gospel with them. And this is a promise. So when we pray along these uh, these lines for the gospel to go forth and and do its perfect work. That prayer is already a promised, guaranteed. Right yeah. now, we don't know whose heart that's going to work on. Right, we don't understand that. Right? right, but of course, the Lord certainly does, and he does. and all those that will come to Him will will come by faith of the hearing the word. And that's why when uh, we look at that Second Peter verse uh, that you mentioned there a second ago from what was that Second Peter, Peter three and yeah. three yeah that. When you see, um, let me just turn to this because this is worth reviewing while we're, okay, so here we go. So when it talks about um, the Lord not being slack to fulfill his promise to some count slowness, but is yes. patient towards towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yes. Um, we, we, you mentioned this in, in uh, passing here that you have to kind of look at what will the Lord is being spoken of here. Yes. What will of the Lord? Now, I used to say that the will of the Lord and that that not any should perish here mm-hmm. would be his will of disposition, his heart towards humanity, right? right? That he doesn't want anybody to die, but that all should come to him, right? right. I, that's what I used to think, but I'm like, I don't think that's what this passage is saying. I actually now believe that this is re- regarding his sovereign will, who is being spoken of here? Here, who is the letter being written for? It mentions the beloved. Mm-hmm. It mentions, it says that the Lord is not slack to fulfill His promises. Some count slow, slowness, but is patient toward who? Toward you, mm-hmm. right? This is the beloved. He's not. He's being patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, right? So, who is the you in this passage? This is why I think it narrows it down. Right. It helps define the all. Right. Right. You know, just like sometimes when you see in, in Timothy where it says all, then it says people from every tribe, tongue, yeah, and right, nation, right. right? There's a, a defining factor there. Right. So with that, I was just pointing out the fact that I think that the people that are being beckoned to that whom the Lord is not slack, that any should fall away, but all should come to repentance, is speaking to those whom he will effectively call unto mm-hmm. himself just like he um, says in the Timothy passage and, and whatnot. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the one of the issues. I mean, uh, in preparing for this, in making the link between prayer and evangelism, um, and some people will say, well, if, if the Lord's in control of all this, if he's sovereign over all this, then why do I even need to pray? What's my motivation to pray? If God's sovereign and he's going to bring everyone, you know, why do we even pray? Why even, you know, you know it's kind of the whole... What sometimes Presbyterians are labeled the frozen chosen, right? Because well, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> why don't Why don't Because I think that's. I, I think yeah. it can be. It can be a characteristic of some, but it, but it's a. It's right. not a good, a healthy understanding of what God is doing 
and how he's choosing to work. Well, you have to look at what God ordains. God ordains the ends of salvation, yes, but he also ordains the means, right? So what is the means? Well, it's the word of God. We say that faith comes by hearing that of the word, but it also comes by the proclamation of the gospel. And, you know, it was Spurgeon who they said to him, you know, just kind of razzing him, you know, why don't you just go preach to the elect if that's all who's (laughs) saved? And he says, well, if you just lift up their shirt and show me the E (laughs) on their back, that's what, that's what I'll do, but we don't know, so we preach it to all men. Right. That's the command. The, the gospel goes forth to every, yeah. all, and all I think, people. And right? I think we should pray for all men, too, so we don't, and, and, and see that our prayers are effective because God is going to accomplish his work. Right. Right? And so that doesn't mean that just because I prayed for Joe, that, that definitely Joe's going to believe. It's not, it's, I'm not talking about effective in that way, but effective for God's purposes. And so there's a great book that I encourage people to read. By It's, a, it's, it's actually not a long book at all. It's, you know, it's uh, 135 pages in this little, you know, version. And even it is a, it's like a half a book size. Uh, it's called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. And it, it's a wonderful book because in it, he talks about the sovereignty of God, a chapter on the sovereignty of God, and then he has a chapter on divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Mm-hmm. Then he has a chapter on evangelism. And then he has a chapter on divine sovereignty and evangelism, how they all go together. And it's wonderful because in this, he says, we tend to put things as an antinomy um, in, in things that shouldn't go together, that work together. But the fact is that in God's economy of things, they do. He can hold both, he can hold his sovereignty and, and human responsibility in the same light. And he can hold our call to evangelism and his sovereignty over um, who comes to faith all in the same light. And so, um, and it actually gives us confidence in knowing that God is going to accomplish his work. Um, well, that was my whole point. Yeah. Right? That we have, we can have confidence that the prayer is going to be answered. Right. So it's not a wishy-washy uh, prayer of supplication for the gospel to go forth when mm-hmm. the promise is that it will. And so therefore that, right. that stands not in our power, but in God's. Exactly. And so, so I think it, if we really do personally believe the gospel, believe that it's effective in our life, believe that it can be effective in others, then it should drive us to pray. And we should count it a privilege that he wants us to participate in it. Now, does that mean it's that, that mean that we have the power to speed the coming of the kingdom? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but I but I think we should we should see ourselves as important in the role, and I think there's something in the fact that if we are unsatisfied um, with the present state of the world, if we're dissatisfied and somehow we want to we want to put it on God's shoulders, one we should know. God's big enough to take it. He is at work. But, but I think he would look back at us and say, and say, who are you, O man, to talk back to me? Haven't I given you the privilege and the responsibility right. to participate in this? Are you on your knees all the time praying for this? You're upset that Aunt Joni doesn't know the Lord, but how are, you, are you praying for her? Right? You know, I mean, th- those are the things I think he would look back at us and say, Look at the life you're supposed to be characterized by. Make your life characterized by praying. Make your life characterized by living a life of wisdom toward those on the outside. That's verse 5. That's the next one. The next verse. Live with wisdom toward those outside. Who are those outside? Those are, the, those, are those who aren't a part of the congregation yet. Right. You know? Right. And so there are more to be added to the congregation, to the believer, 
to the believers. And that's actually related back again to another verse in, in Colossians we talked about in terms of the fact that, that he's wanting to fill up something that is, that is still yet to be completed. Um, he, in verse 24 of chapter 1, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and I am in my flesh filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And we talked about how the, the, there's still more to be added to the fold. And, and Paul's struggling because he knows that more need to come into the faith. And so here, he's now asking us to live a life of wisdom toward those on the outside, making the most of the time. Um, in, in, as the Lexham English Bible translates that phrase, I think the ESV says, um, he says, making the best use of the time. Uh, and then... Uh, there was another translation, I, I, I just lost it, that had another um, way of phrasing that. But the, the idea here is making the use of the time mm-hmm. is, is that we're, we're anticipating doing what God uh, wants uh, for us in, in, in the sense of looking around and noticing uh, that we're noticing the moment and, and seeing the opportunity that's there and jumping on it, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And so uh, I bring this up because I see so many of my fellow Christians today here in this community and others, uh, family members that I know, and they're so burdened by the state of our country and the state of the world and the deception that's out there and the, um, the darkness that seems to be creeping in and encroaching in. And I, I, and I understand that. I, I, I get that. But then I ask, what's your solution? And sometimes the, the, the solution can be, uh, we just need to get better officials in office. Uh, yeah, we, need right. to, we need to pass better laws. I'm very, we're very, we're, we're, we're weeks after the, 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 and we're grateful for this, the, the decision by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Extremely grateful for that. But at the same time, my hope is not in that. You know, my prayer is, is not for that legislation alone. My prayer is for the hearts of the people to be turned to the Lord. Right. My prayer is that the gospel would take root and go forth and expand and grow, that the kingdom would continue to come in that sense, because that's what ultimately all these signs of darkness and things are pointing to the fact that the, the world is in a bad place. And you know what? It's actually, even the 50 years ago, 100 years ago in the United States, it was still there. Right. 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 And so the Bible forever has never been intended to be a book uh, of moral religion. Right. Right. It's yeah. been to put your faith in God who can change the heart of man and who will lead you to the promised land. Right. And so uh, when when we have people who interact in our lives that, uh, you know, even if it's some children, some of us have children that we feel like, well, we raised them in the church, but now they've they've walked away. They're kind of living the way of the world Mm -hmm. that we don't want to confront them with that. Of course, we can do it in the right manner with with love and stuff like that. But um, the expression of the word of God is what is either going to. Um, yeah, it could make a little bit of conflict, right? right? And you don't have to beat, beat them every time you see them, but the word of God is what's going to convict the heart. Right. And so it is our responsibility, just like when we're with others, when the opportunity comes to share the light of the word of truth, not a philosophy, 
Yeah. And right. when we do, when we when we share the truth on a given topic or whatever, I think we always need to be able to say, how can how does it relate to Jesus? That ultimately the point of sharing any truth of scripture is to is to share the the ultimate truth of it. Right? That we always need to be able to to as Paul wants to do, speak the mystery of Christ. Right. Right. So whether we're talking about um, you know, abortion, whether we're talking about proper marriage, whether we're talking pick your issue, talking about racism, whatever our justice issue that we that we're praying for happened, we should always keep in the light of, of how ultimately it, it should lead to a conversation about Jesus, as Jesus as being the one who does give liberty to all, mm-hmm. who who is the author of life and the the redeemer of life, all those things. So if we if we talk about an issue and we and we fail to point to, to Jesus, I, I think we we can we can fall into moralism. We can just fall into into truth without love, because the, the ultimate expression of truth and love coming together is is Jesus being willing to to leave heaven, come down here on earth, live the life he led, die the death he he died, and 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 raise to new life, and and go and and be seated at the right hand of God. Right. I mean that yeah. that uh, that shows that this is a God who's not uninvolved or uninterested, who's just up there telling us the way it is, though he's actually coming and was willing to live the way and not just tell it. <laughs> right, right. And so, going back to your term of the frozen chosen, yeah. so, so to speak, <laughs> um, there is nothing that um, that an individual or even a group of people can do to thwart the plan of God. So for somebody to say, hey, I'm saved, you know, God will bring in his elect. I don't need to share the gospel. Yeah. I don't need to be studying the word. You know, he, he'd be said his love. But okay, congratulations, you know, but what do you miss, you know, yeah. without, first of all, that's not going to be the character of a changed heart, right? So there's that right. union with Christ aspect, but you miss the blessings yes. in the life that God has given you in this lifetime that, mm-hmm. that are being spoken of. So there's a, a much broader picture that speaks of the totality of that union with Christ that we're to have as children of, you know, the living God at, yeah. the, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, which I think then relates obviously then to, to verse five, Two, um, I mean, verse verse five relates to verse six. It says, "Let your speech always be with grace, or be se- be seasoned with salt, so that you may know how it is necessary for you to answer each one." So, part of making the most of every opportunity. Um, and and by the way, every day is the day of salvation. <laughs> Today's the day of salvation, yeah. right? And so, the making the most of your time is always being ready. But as you do. Your speech is, is is to be with grace. Now, I think the the idea here is, is just graciousness of humanity. Now, obviously, we get the empowered by the grace of God, but it, it's not just preaching grace, but actually, it's the way, it's the manner in which you you speak that grace. Is that we ourselves are gracious, we're we're respectful, we we're, we're, we do so as Ephesians says, speak the truth in love, right? So so the that's how it's seasoned with salt. So we we do need to be able to. Um, do so in a way that is able to be palatable to others, uh, and so how we how we do that is important, uh, and, and that's part of the ways that we participate. And so I, I bring this back to prayer because 
if I'm praying for my neighbor, then I'm going to be more attuned in how to love them, how to understand them. Do I know, if, I'm, if I start with prayer, then when I have a conversation with them, is my heart more attuned to listen to where they're coming from? Am I more ready to build a bridge to the gospel with them in conversation? Uh, and, 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 my, and I'm not treating them as a project. They're not a notch on my belt. I actually should love the person I'm talking to, mm. you know. Um, and, and so I think that's part of all that's going on here is that, that all this builds into a life that I, I'm, I want to pray. I want, I want to be able to speak the wisdom of God. I want to live with wisdom toward the outside, which, again, is this whole idea of wisdom is something that comes out throughout the scripture uh, throughout this letter as well, that uh, it takes wisdom to be able to live a life this way. And, the, and, and that wisdom comes from Christ. Back in, in chapter 1, verse 28, when he's talking about his ministry to the Gentiles, he says, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. Mm-hmm. So his goal is to present them mature in Christ, and he knows that that maturity in Christ comes through the knowledge of Christ because that's what he's praying for them in, in chapter 1, verse 9. He's praying for them to have that wisdom. And then it's actually interesting that I mentioned I was going to bring up um, verse 12 of chapter 4, Epaphras. So we'll get into some of this next week, but I just want to mention how he talks about Epaphras. Now, we know Epaphras is probably the one who planted the church. And Epaphras has come and visited Paul, and he's he's the one who's giving this report because Paul hasn't been to the Colossians. But it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He's sending greetings from prison on behalf of Epaphras, who's with Paul. He says, always he's so Epaphras is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. So the very thing he's saying about us to be devoted in prayer, right? Epaphras' life is this way. Right. Epaphras is one who struggles for you. On your behalf, he's praying for them. And this is what he says about him. What's he praying? He prays that they may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So it's interesting here that he wants wisdom, that he, he, he needs wisdom to present everyone mature in Christ. Paul says that. Epaphras is praying that they would stand mature. And how does this maturity described? fully assured in in all the will of God. Right. That kind of goes back to what I was saying I, as far yeah. as trusting God with his yes. sovereign plan yes. and also the means to accomplish it. Yes, and it's that means to accomplishment, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <laughs> right. That's Ephesians. Right. But again here, we know that the that he's he Paul's praying that he has the ability to speak, we live towards wisdom of the outside, making most. How do we? How do we attain that wisdom? We attain that wisdom through the Word of God, the instructions of God, the the gospel of God. The more we know Christ and why He came, the more mature we're going to be, grow and become. The more we're going to trust it. The more we're going to be devoted to prayer. The more we're going to be thankful. So, again, it goes back to the, our opening part of the conversation. We talked about husbands and wives and, and children and masters and slaves. That. If, if we understand what it means to be submitted to Christ and we understand the goodness of, of all that we have in Christ, we'll be willing to follow and, and obey and submit and, 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 and do those things. And it's the same thing here, I think, is the more we live, understand our relationship to Christ, the more we um, 
do as Paul is, is asking, that we have this wisdom and understanding, bearing every fruit good, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that knowledge of God is revealed in Christ, then we grow in this maturity. We, we more and more will have a life that then it reflects that, so that when we do encounter that opportunity, and we're close to Christ, and we understand his gospel, we understand what it means in our life, then we can speak into other people's lives right. and say, hey, you know what? Jesus is the solution to whatever ails you. That's exactly what's on my mind right yeah. now. You know, the answer is Christ. Now, what's, exactly. your, what's your question? Is it is it politics, right? What, right? what are you frustrated with? You know, the answer is yeah. the wisdom of Christ. Right. There's there's the truth and the solid foundation that you stand on for all the answers. Are you are you worried about your children? You know, right. can you rest in His wisdom? So yeah, it's uh yeah. Now, and so how so how we're able to just talk about Him if if we believe He is the all in all, if He is before all things and in all things, then whatever the issue is in their life, in in our life, Jesus is the answer. Now we got to be able to build those bridges. We got to be able to season our conversation with salt and make that understandable, right? right. You just don't walk up and say, "But well, Jesus is the answer," right. you know. That, I've you, tried that before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but he is. So, but it has to. It has to be so a part of us that we can speak him and relate to him in in what they're going through. Now, doesn't mean that everybody's going to accept it. Some people are going to reject it. Some people look at us and they're going to they're going to say, "What are you talking about, Thad?" <laughs> and that's fine. Um, and we continue to pray for them. The Lord still might have them, you know, in, in His plans down the future. Right. But but we do need to have that so ingrained in in our own faith, right? That I, I bring all this up back to the the frozen chosen thing. You know, if we if we truly get that, and it's growing in us, and we're desiring it more and more, we're not going to be cold to people. We're actually going to be warm and loving to people. Right, uh, right. So you know, and there's because the body of Christ is so vast, and there's many parts to the body. Um, we we're, we're not trying to tell everybody that they have to go out and be a street evangelist, right? <laughs> right. Oh, um, no, right? right. Or to be a missionary, right? Yeah. You are going to find yourself in the position right. that the Lord lead, leads you in, but there, that doesn't give you excuse when the occasion comes to to not share right. the love of Christ to the world that's around us, right? Yeah. Um, and you can also participate in organizations that share the truth, right? There's right. the Gideon's Bible, which I'm a part of. There's the uh, persecuted church. There's mm-hmm. the um, Voice of the Martyrs and so many other right. things. And of well, course, missionaries. The missionaries I mean, that we support right. here locally within our own body. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you have campus ministries. You have um, people who are, who are giving people water in, in places of the world where they don't have a well, right? And they're doing so as an expression of, of the gospel, but also as an opportunity to the gospel. I mean, the places, the missionaries we support do, we support them doing that because we know they're starting churches. <laughs> we know that they're sharing the gospel right. with people, you know, and because Jesus is the water that will, he's the drink that's never going to be, you're never going right. to be thirsty yeah, again. He's, the, he's the true life-giving you know? water, but right? all that is, is that it's part of that seasoning with salt. And so it's demonstrating love. And so for you, um, 
out there listening uh, who you don't, like you said, I'm, you're not a street evangelist, or maybe you're not ready to, to have a community Bible study, you know, to start a Bible study in your house for your neighbors, but you are ready to help your neighbor who's, who's going through illness by bringing them food. You're, you're, you know, maybe, maybe you live close to someone who can't take care of their yard anymore, um, and, and you're willing to go rake their leaves. I mean, that's the starting point. You're, you're noticing, you're loving them, and as you do that, and they wonder why you're doing that, and then you're going to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Right, right, exactly. So there, there is those demonstrations of love. Don't forget, though, that when Jesus says, whoever gives a cup of water, he adds something to that. Whoever gives a cup of water... In my, my name. name, exactly. Right. So make sure that they understand where why the, you're doing why it. Why you're doing it. There's right. there's love that's coming from uh, from a bigger source than just the uh, exactly. You know, yeah. Philanthropic side of our humanity. Yeah. Awesome. So next week we'll we'll wrap up this. Uh, yeah. So I think I think we'll wrap up. We'll, we'll get into some of these people. He, Paul. Why is Paul sending greetings and so forth? I think it's going to be important. Uh, this, the, the communal nature of and how Paul sees the church uh, in general and, and the church in Colossae and how he's relating that to his ministry. But then then also we'll just we'll wrap up some of these themes again and and, and kind of draw a conclusion. And, and then you know every all letters you know usually have some kind of uh, you know benediction and, and just it, it, I think it's interesting next week that he ends with grace be with you. It's yeah. a very simple one, but it, it, but it sums up so much. Of, of what mm-hmm. he wants to do. So yeah, we'll look forward to that next time. Sounds good. Excellent. Okay. Right. Have a good day, everybody. Yep. Join us next time as we conclude our Colossian study by investigating community life within the body of Christ. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production. Connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.